Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? A little NFL division around dance. They're going to have four pretty good games. Four games that every spread is in single digits. Although the Chiefs-Jaguars one continues to track towards double digits. It'll be interesting to see where it is right before kickoff. So we're going to look at those four games and what really is at stake. And who's got the most pressure on them? Who's got the least? We're going to look at that. Also, a little Ramsey recoil as Jalen Ramsey may be under the trading block as the Rams try to figure out where to go from the future. They're not saying they're rebuilding, but we know they are. Matt Stafford's coming back for a couple years, but what other choice do they have? What other choice do they have? They can't draft a quarterback. They traded their first-round pick away, right? Lions have it. So the Rams now need to maybe get a couple picks back, unload some of that Ramsey money. What's it, like three years, $75 million left on this thing? Boy. We're going to tell you, we, we see three teams being potential suitors, and Mike Bray done at Notre Dame. What a Bray day. 23 years, he was a solid coach. Never won a national championship. Never made it to a Final Four. Or well, Is that successful? You're coaching for a quarter century and never make a Final Four? And we'll tell you who Notre Dame should target. Who they're going to target, they're never going to get them, but who I'd like them to get when it's all said and done. Again, Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Want to be a part of the program? Cool. We'll check out your stuff, your ideas. If you want to follow us at Harpod Sports Twitter, at Harpod Sports Instagram. Also, auditory route. You can hear us Spotify, Apple Podcast, Buzzsprout under the Harpon Sports bar, the bar heading. Harpon Sports, the Facebook page. And of course, Harpon Sports, the YouTube channel, along with HarponSports.com. All right. NFL postseason. I, looking at this, think we're going to have four pretty solid matchups. And, you know, last week I, I talked about the, the five storylines that are going to shape the NFL postseason. And one of them, the one that was fifth on our list, was called, what do we call it, Cousins Calling? Kirk Cousins? Boy, it ended up being a pretty big one, didn't it? Now, what do the Vikings do? We said the biggest storyline that will shape the postseason. We had, what, Dak's back with Dak Prescott. Boy, he sent a message. The number one thing we had was Tom Brady, Tom's tail. Is this it? It's going to reshape everything. If he'd have won in Tampa or walked up into the sunset, won a couple games, but now that he's gone, that's the big storyline going into free agency. So now that the divisional round is here, what do we know? Well, look, some of the things are still out here that are gigantic at this point. And to me, certain franchises have more pressure on them than others, right? To to me, the franchise that's got the most pressure on them going into this weekend is the Bills. Why? Because the Bengals are hurt, banged up, what, missing three starters offensively. The Bills are at home. They haven't played very well as of late. So, I mean, the pressure, the team that should win, based on how everybody's banged up, is the Bills. So I've got them at the list with the highest amount of pressure. The team with the least amount of pressure, the Jaguars. Let's face it, they're playing with house money. They won at home. Great comeback. Two games that they trailed. With under six minutes to go at home, one and both going into Arrowhead, the crowd noise, all of those things. And, and look, don't fall for that. That's It's going to be loud there. The Jaguars have played in loud atmospheres. Is this going to be louder than any other ones? Yeah, probably. Now that this, you know, <laughs> circles around. But as fired up as Jags fans may be or, you know, refuse to lose all that stuff, I still don't know how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to cover Travis Kelsey. Don't. The Jags are going to score points. 
but the Chiefs run the ball well now too. So to, to me, <laughs> Chiefs have all starters up front. All the, the whole entire offensive line's there. And the fact that they've got what three Pro Bowlers on that offensive line, four if you count Kelsey at tight end. So I, I mean, I went through and ranked the teams most pressure to least pressure. I said the Jags had the least. The Bills have the most. Have the Bills with the most pressure. Um, followed by the Cowboys, still Dallas Cowboys, going on the road. All this momentum behind them now. Remember, they're taking on a 49ers team that does have a rookie starting at quarterback. 49ers should win, but if the 49ers lose, like, oh, okay, they lost with a rookie quarterback. But the Cowboys, now that they got a little momentum, pressure. You think there's pressure on the Cowboys this week? Wait and see if they win and the Giants win and the Cowboys host the Giants for a trip to the Super Bowl. <laughs> then the, that pressure goes to a different different stratosphere. Um uh, teams the most pressure. I have the Bills. Then I have uh, the Cowboys. Chiefs. Then the Eagles. I think the Chiefs have a little pressure on them too, right? Another one seed. What's this? The fourth time in five years they've been the one seed. You know, with a win and a Bengals win, they're hosting the AFC Championship game. I, you know, they this is a round that they haven't particularly been great in. They struggled with the Browns a couple years ago. They really struggled with the Texans a couple years ago. Last year, they had to come from behind to beat the Bills. It's not a round that they've played great in. It's not. They drilled the Bills in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. Of course, they lost to the Bengals. The Titans, they dug a hole and battled back. But this is a round that the Chiefs haven't really played well in. So I've got them, like I said, at three. The Eagles, a couple weeks. Jalen Hurts, the fact that it's the Giants makes it a little bit different for them. And then I've got... The Bengals fifth. They're banged up, but when you're the defending champs, I've got them with the fifth most pressure. Niners six. Uh, Giants seven, and the Jags are eight. Now, what do I think is going to happen in these games? Started off with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs cover the nine. I do. At the beginning of the week, I wasn't sold. I thought to myself, I'm like, man, they don't very, they don't play very well. But the difference between the Chiefs this year and years past is their ability to run the ball physical control the clock they've had a couple weeks to get ready for this and i look don't get me wrong i think the jaguars are going to score but when it's all said and done i think the chiefs cover the nine i like the chiefs to win 31 to 21 and this is one of those games is going to be good and i think the chiefs score late to, to put it away type of thing where this thing's like 24 21 six minutes to go chiefs are driving they score a touchdown kick the extra point five minutes to go all right now the jags have to come back that, that that's what i think this type of game it is this would be a good game though uh Saturday night, uh, Giants, Philly. This is another one that, you know, the Giants look so good in Minneapolis. But now they get to go against a team that is now healthy, that's had a couple weeks. And this is what's so great about the divisional round. Back when we had just four playoff games instead of six opening weekend, super wild card weekend as opposed to wild card weekend. This is what I like about this. It's still pretty cool. You can talk about even more momentum now with, with the way it's set up now in these four games this weekend. What I always thought cool is about the division around you had four teams that were so good they had a bye and got two weeks to get ready, and four teams that won that were coming into their place in this collision course. Now you have two teams that were so good they've had two weeks to get ready, and six teams that have just won that now enter the fray. But the thing is, you know, two of them play against, or four of them play against each other. So four of these teams one that are going to play against the other. So it's not quite the same, but you know, the giants and both these games that I'm giving you right now are two teams that had buys that are waiting. Those are the two games on Saturday. So, well, you know, what I wrote down about the giants and the Eagles is 
you know, I, I don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to be physically. I don't, but I do know what that Eagles defense can be. And the Giants, just the way that they score outside there at night. It's, the Giants are an outdoor team. I get it. And it's not really going to affect them that much. But to me, when in a setting like this, now I'll take the Giants in the seven and a half. But, you know, when this is all said and done, I've got this thing being like 23-17. But I'll take the Giants in the points when I think the Eagles win. So I think both one seeds hold true. One game that I flipped on from the beginning of the week is the Bengals and the Bills. At the beginning of the week, I liked the Bengals. Now I don't. I like the Bills now just because of the injuries. Just because of the injuries and being at Orchard Park, I think the Bengals are the one team in the AFC that it doesn't matter where they play. If this game were in Cincinnati, I'd feel a little bit different. But Joe Burrow, remember that offensive line and how porous it was last year and it just got beat up but still was able to get to the Super Bowl? Uh, Okay, they're not sneaking up on anybody now. And Josh Allen had a couple gigantic turnovers against the Dolphins. They didn't play very well. But now, staying at home, the Bengals having to go on the road, and I know the Bengals did struggle a little bit at home against the Ravens, but those are divisional games. I I, I hold those in their own category. To me, this one is just this simple. It's what team is healthier. And the Bills are at home, and they're healthier. Joe Burrow is a hotter quarterback than Josh Allen, which kind of neutralizes that a little bit. But when this is all said and done, Again, this is one of those that I'll take the Bengals and the points, but I think the Bills beat them. So we have a neutral side AFC championship game. I think the Bills win 23 to 20. And the Niners, the Cowboys, this is the chic pick this week. Everybody's falling in love with this one. Oh my gosh, the Cowboys are red hot. Look what they just did to the Bucs. It's like, okay, but now they get to go up against the hottest team in the NFL. The Niners have won 11 in a row. Going East Coast or Midwest, or Midwest, South to West Coast, late Sunday night. I, I know these guys do this a couple times a year and the Cowboys are riding high, but they are playing with a shorter week, right? The 49ers have had eight days. The Cowboys only get six and the Cowboys had so much success. And look at this level, everybody's watching film. Everybody's digging things out on you. I just question whether or not this Cowboys team can go on the road and do it back to back weeks, especially against a juggernaut like this. And Kittle and McCaffrey and everybody else that's involved. I just don't know all that Cowboys defense after basically facing no threat offensively. Now you get that. You get that track meet. So I think I think the Niners take care of them with ease. I said 31-17. So I got a Niners, Eagles, Chiefs, Bills, conference championship game. Seth, that's chalk. Yep. History will tell us one road team will win. Well, if the, you're gonna t- find me one road team's gonna win this weekend, it, it, would, it would be the what? It'd be the Bengals. That'd be the one road team that I think would win if you beat to the fire. But there you go. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is said to be on the trading block. Okay. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to be that player that's in a place for a couple years, and then it's time to move on. The closest thing that I can give you to him in Major League Baseball is Gary Sheffield. Where Gary Sheffield come to a place very good, but after three years, it's like, all right, that's it's about enough of this. What Gary Sheffield, Sheffield what, played for five different teams in his career, none of them for more than four years. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know. Those are the type of things that you're like, wait, what's going on here? Well, that's where we are there. And this is a little bit different era. I know Johnny Damon did something similar, right? When he was with the Royals and then with the A's and then with the Red Sox, and then with the Yankees, and then he kind of bounced around a little bit, but that was just strictly financial. Sheffield is one of these things like, eh. 
Jalen Ramsey is going to be this guy that's going to be a place for a couple of years, and then that's it. Time to move on. So the question I have with Jalen Ramsey is, if he's really on the block, what's he going to cost? Well, the thing about this is you have to look, to add somebody like that, you need to be a piece or two away to, to really make it a run, and you have to have picks. Now, depending on what you look at, the Rams, there's so much money involved, the Rams would like a first and a third or a first and a fourth. Could they get that? Maybe. But Jalen Ramsey essentially has, essentially, not exactly, essentially has three years, $75 million left on his deal after this year. And look, nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that. They're going to have to rework that. Now, what does that mean? That means it may get torn up and Jalen Ramsey gets a five-year, $110 million deal. But with the weight, this the way the money is weighted here, and look, you can do that just because he's like a $24, $25 million just straight up, boom, dead cap hit this year. So if they are going to move on from him, they're going to want draft capital in return. And they're basically going to want to get out of these next two years of this deal. It's dead money is like, what, he's, like, he's owed $26 million next year, and his dead money is like 9 or $10 million, And then 27 again, and dead money is like 7 or 8 So, look, if this is the case, you may not get a first out of him. You may. And where I've got this is you got to think about teams that are that have multiple picks in the draft. And this year, when you look at it, remember, he's not going to go to a place like Chicago. He's not going to go to a place like Houston. Houston has multiple picks, but he's not going to go there. The Bears may end up with multiple picks in the first round. He's not going to go there either. To me, I've got three teams written down for him. Now, the one, I doubt they do it because it's interdivisional, but the Seahawks. Seahawks were a playoff team. His attitude fits that style. Pete Carroll. There you go. The Seahawks have the Broncos pick, but you're, you're talking about the Seahawks playoff pick, which is down there around what? 20, 21, is it 21, 22 right there. Would, would you do it for that one and a fourth or a fifth? Would you do would Seattle still have the fifth at that point? Yeah, you could do it. If you think that's what you need, if they're, you know, hundred percent all in on Gino and they're not interested in, in drafting a quarterback, then, you know, I don't know. You drafted stud offensive lineman or one of the big Will Anderson, you draft somebody like that if they're available. And was it Jonathan Taylor? You you draft somebody, one of those guys, if they're available at that point. No boy. Now it looks like the Bears may draft one of those guys, but if you can get that and Jalen and with that offense, okay, now you're doing something. But again, the Rams aren't trading him within the division. Um, The other two, the, the one that probably makes the most sense is the Ravens and the Ravens are picking right around 21 as well. Right. Um, And the Lions, the Lions may make the most sense. Now, does Jalen Ramsey want to go to Detroit? No, but that type of attitude, is that they're a young team they're building? Do you want to add that? Now, the reason the Lions and the Ravens make sense is just think about Jamar Chase and, and, and Jefferson. You, you know, you have Jamar Chase in Cincinnati and the Ravens, you're going to have to neutralize him. Well, there's Ramsey on him. And think about Jefferson in Minneapolis. You put him on the Lions. There you go. See, what I, those things matter. You want to neutralize a receiver, or at least cut the half of the field. Now, Jalen Ramsey now at 29, is he still that guy? I, you know, we'll see. There's a market for him. I understand. And the, here we go. The Rams are now, they trade Jalen Ramsey. You're now talking about a rebuild. Now you're talking about a rebuild. And it's going to be a lean year or two there. They've got some big money, some big cap things coming up. Like I said, they're, they're going to redo some stuff with Matt Stafford here, but Matt Stafford's essentially slated to be their quarterback for the next two seasons. And next year they'll have some draft picks back. But if again, if, let's say they make a trade like the Lions and they get the 20th overall pick, or was it? No, it's, it'd be the 18th. It would be 17th. Lions are the last team to yeah, 17th pick. So you get the 17th pick from the Lions. Oh, okay. 
Now you're the Rams. Okay, what do you do with that 17th pick? Do you, do you, do you move it, like go down to 25 or something? If somebody's offering you that and get two seconds the next year. So now you can make a move and, and try to rebuild this thing. So uh, again, whoever, if, if this is in the, in, in the running, and I, I still think the, the place that makes the most sense is the Ravens, especially if Lamar Jackson's gone. Well, especially if they franchise him. If they franchise Lamar Jackson, he'll be at the low end of the totem, what, 18 million, 19 million at the quarterback position? Okay, I'd say he's a $19 million quarterback compared to a $30 million quarterback. Okay, well, then Jalen Ramsey, you rework this deal. You can you can eat $25 million up front for Jalen, and then next year he goes back down to 10 and then Lamar's number would kick in. So the, the Ravens are the one that can pull it off with the Ravens' picks. The Lions and the Seahawks, it seems to have multiple picks that could really do this. If you want Jalen Ramsey. I know he could come back to Jacksonville. He's not coming back to Jacksonville. He's not. All three of those teams are playoff teams next year. Now, the Bengals have a ton of cap room, but the Bengals need to start thinking about Burrow and Chase and the rest of these guys, so that's not going to happen. Plus, offensive line, they still haven't found a long-term answer to protect him. He still need depth. Look what happens. Everybody's hurt. So there's that front. Wonder wrap with Mike Bray in Notre Dame. What, what, a, what a good 23-year stretch it's been for him. And what's interesting about this is in, in a day and age, and you give Notre Dame credit for this, right? In a day and age where coaches, they don't go to the Final Four, they need to be fired. He needs to get to the Final Four this year. Look at like how... Well, not necessarily Kentucky fans, but everybody's mad at John Calipari. And I understand the Kentucky standard is different than the Notre Dame standard. But, you know, you have certain programs out there. Coaches got to go. Not enough. UCLA, prime example, the Steve Alford's got to go. Now, they've got a pretty good one out there now. But McCronin, he's a pretty, pretty good coach. And you got him to do a Final Four, and he's probably going to do it again here really soon. But, you know, with Mike Bray in Notre Dame, 23 years, he never got him to a Final Four. Got him to two Elite Eights, and he got him to back-to-back years. Who'd they lose to? Well, they lost to Kentucky, who then turned around and lost to Wisconsin, right? Who then turned around and lost to Duke. So they lost to that undefeated Kentucky team in the Elite Eight. And they lost to North Carolina in the Elite Eight. Pretty good North Carolina team too, right? The North Carolina team that pretty solid championship pedigree. So, I mean, he lost to good teams. It just the last few years, you know, they lost to Texas Tech last year in the tournament. And it's like, okay, is there anything left here? And now it's kind of taken a step back a little bit. It's time for a change. I get it. It's time for a change. He was there actually longer than Digger Phelps was the head coach. He won more games than Digger, but of course you play five, six more games now a year and you chalk that up over 20 years. It's a hundred more cracks at it. 75 to hundred more cracks at it. So Mike Bray's been successful, even though he hasn't been a champion, been an ACC champion, but never a national champion. So now what does Notre Dame do? They already showed with Marcus Freeman they're willing. They, they they'll they'll go young, coaching his thirties. They'll go young. So I found a guy that's actually in his forties. Now, what do I think is going to happen? I, I think that there'll be two calls and they'll get nose on them. The first call there's it's not going to happen. Indiana fans found this out the hard way. Brad Stevens will be the first guy that everybody falls in love with, right? Brad Stevens he coached at Butler, come coach Notre Dame, and you know. Maybe they offer him $60, $70 million. But the thing about this is, you really think Notre Dame's going to pay its basketball coach more than its football coach? So that's why Brad Stevens is out. And so is this next guy. And this next guy makes sense philosophically and athletically. And that guy is Jay Wright from Villanova. Jay Wright's retired, right? Still working in the front office, helping and assisting. But Villanova's a Catholic institution. Notre Dame, the Catholic institution. Jay Wright's the guy if he wants it, but he's going to say no. But that's and then in both cases of Jay Wright and Brad Stevens 
Well, first of all, Brad's just going to be a hard no. Jay Wright could be a eh. But again, you're paying your basketball coach more than your football coach at that point. So then what? Well, then it rolls around to this. And then the guy's name I wrote down, because I really, really think that he'll do a good job, is Pat Kelsey, the head coach of the College of Charleston. Now, he's a Cincinnati guy. He's an Ohio guy, so he's right next door. But the fact that he played at Xavier, the fact that he went to the NCAA tournament four of his last six years as the head coach at Winthrop. So he's at Winthrop. They win the conference four of six years. And now at the College of Charleston, or Charleston College, I know the name has changed, he's 20-1 and in his second year. So this guy has now been the head coach at two different institutions, took Winthrop to the NCAA tournament four times in six years, goes to the College of Charleston after a year, flips it around, and now he's 20-1. and one. The guy's a good coach. He's got Midwestern type of ties. He's in his late 40s. That's the guy. Pat Kelsey's the guy. You know, and I look back, you know, you had Digger for 20 years. You've had Bray for 23 years. In there, Notre Dame had John McLeod. John McLeod was the head coach for eight years. And... <sighs> Then they had Matt Doherty in there, who was going to be a great coach there. One year, had some success before he got offered the North Carolina job and took it. And I understand that. But to, to me, it's, it's a program that, you know, Bray was there a long time. And the pressure to win a national championship, got to win a championship or you're gone, isn't there. You go to Notre Dame, you go to the Sweet 16, they're like, good year, successful year, check. Kind of like Marquette that way. Well, good, good year, successful year, check. All right. Certain programs aren't like that. So, again, Pat Kelsey, I'm guessing that's the type of guy they're going to get. Uh, but we'll see. It's a good job. It's a good job. It's just amazing how how much pressure there is when it comes to Notre Dame football and how Notre Dame basketball is the exact opposite. A lot of programs are like that. But Pat Kelsey's a guy that fits there. We'll see what they do. Our Pod Sports, the bar podcast, audio media, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram, Harp on Sports Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harp on Sports Facebook page, Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.